to the Gym Podcast. Uncut, unfiltered, unreal. All right, folks, welcome. To the welcome, Gym everybody. Week six coming up. Had a big week last week. A lot to recap, a lot to talk about. Uh, joining us today, of course, the one and only Randy Darsh. Hello, everybody. We also have a, another special guest. It's the same special guest as last week, the one and only Hurdle, New Street Boss. Hey, thanks for having me. Can't believe they had me on last week after my disaster. No, dude. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you had one I was bad gonna pick. Ask, you had one bad pick. Did you have did you at least have fun at the Maryland game? Not counting like the final score and everything. Was it like a fun trip kind of going back to your college campus? It was a fantastic atmosphere. I mean, the student section stayed through the whole first half, which, you know, for, <laughs> for the game going the way it, it was, I mean, that, that's that's a pretty good duration as far as yeah. as far as Maryland game goes. And I've never, it wasn't a sellout, but I've not seen a game, I think, with that much energy pregame or during the game. I think we got a, lo- a very high level of fan engagement as well. Yeah, I think that's also, that's really fun. I mean, a lot of people, they obviously want to see their team win out and do well, but I think a lot of people need to understand that the really cool part about having a successful start to the season is getting to play in these huge games. Whether you win or lose, obviously you want to win, but just being there is really special. It's really fun. True. And hey, you know, obviously, you know, not the way you wanted it to end, but on a bright side, you definitely weren't like the most embarrassed team last week, I'd say. No, I, I want to say I think Arkansas Get your popcorn ready. <laughs> Get your popcorn ready. Yes, get your popcorn. <laughs> we'll we'll get to Wisconsin. To I just wanted to touch base real quick here. We, we saw Notre Dame lose, Arkansas lose, Oregon lose. That was actually pretty shocking. Um, I was very shocked by that, yeah. Because that really you know, kind of mixes with the uh, playoff race. Like, Florida, I kind of assumed, did we mention Florida? Florida too, yeah. I mean, I kind of assumed Oregon would be the Pac-12 winner, probably make the playoffs, but... That's all. They're kind probably of still now. going to be the Pac-12 winner, to be fair. But yeah, playoffs though, it's gonna be it's gonna be an uphill battle at this point uh, for them to compete. Yeah. There. yeah. Same with same with That's Notre okay. Dame. I mean, they've got a winnable schedule, but like <clears> this is such a black mark now. You know what I mean? It's I don't know. Like obviously, one loss teams make the playoffs all the time, but there's such little wiggle room, especially this early on in the season. You know, it's gonna be really hard for these teams to actually like get back into playoff contention. It seems like. Well, we're talking about it as a black mark for Notre Dame. How about giving Cincinnati the credit where it's due? I mean, they are making all the right steps and all the right moves here to potentially position themselves for the first group of five playoff bit. Obviously, you know, they're, they're power five bound, but... Absolutely. Is, is 13-0 and, is 13-0 Cincinnati really out in any of the scenarios? I think they make with, it in. What's left? So I think what's important to look at and what I think the committee is going to look at is Cincinnati didn't just beat Notre Dame. They straight up controlled the game from start to finish. Yeah. It wasn't like they won on a fluke or had to do something at the last second. They came out strong, controlled the game, played good mistake-free football, and straight up dominated a really good Notre Dame team who I think could finish the season 10-2, and 11-1. and Yeah, and looking at Cincinnati's schedule, I mean, they... <laughs> They don't play any other P5 teams for the rest of the year. I mean, they got a couple of, I don't want to say trap games, so games that could be kind of tough. They play at uh, they play UCF at one point. They play ranked SMU. Uh, but really, looking at their schedule, like if they just beat Notre Dame, they can probably beat anybody pretty comfortably. So I, I would be pretty surprised if they don't end the season undefeated. Um, which, one team? You know, obviously puts them in playoff contention. 
One team that very much impressed me, low-key, was Georgia. I know you two especially have really been talking about Georgia and, and how you think they're so great because of these advanced feds. But <laughs> my, well, my thing as an SEC fan with Georgia is that they always have a tendency to do that and then lose to like Alabama or drop a bad game or something to ruin their season. But what happened in this Arkansas game is... They act, They came out versus a hyped team, and they knew how to punch them in the face early and often and just kill their hype immediately. The mark of a really good championship caliber team, like something Saban teams are always good at, is getting in these games versus hyped teams and knowing how to just shut it down quick. Because you don't want them to get a chip on their shoulder. You don't want them to think they have a chance. So they, the fact that he was able to know that shows that Kirby Smart, in a way, is taking another step. True. Um, and yeah, cause this, I don't know, this, this Georgia team just feels a little bit different from previous years. Wouldn't you say, I mean, Georgia's always, you know, pretty good. Like they're usually at least like a 10 win team, you know, generally ranked pretty high, but yeah, I'll say, I'll say what really, here, what I really notice about them is they know how to win a football game in a lot of different ways. Hmm. I mean, we've only had a couple games in the season, but they can win in high scoring, almost shootout like games They can win a defensive slugfests. And that, to me, is always a mark of a great team. Turtle, your thoughts on this? Are you? Uh, do you feel All I'll what say is still? this: last last week, I think I believe Randy said I sounded exactly like a Georgia fan. And <laughs> in, in all fairness, I might sound like one again here. But you know, I mentioned they had four games without showing effectively any weakness, and this last game was nothing short of another you know fifth masterpiece on that schedule. You've got wins against Clemson, wins against Arkansas on the schedule. I mean. Every other major team, I think you can point to one thing and say this is one thing they're not doing well. I don't think you can do that with Georgia, which is kind of surprising in this era because I think most people would have expected that team that you could point at in that way would be Alabama. But, you know, obviously they struggled a bit against Florida or, you know, maybe they'd point at Ohio State, but they already lost Oregon. So and then even Oregon lost, went out and lost this week. So. Georgia has played mistake-free, nearly flawless football to this point in the year, and that's going to be something that's really valuable for them as they roll into the meat of their schedule. The last thoughts on Georgia-Arkansas very quickly. I will say the one thing you could probably look at, which is not necessarily a flaw as much as a concern, is the injury at quarterback to JT Daniels and how that's going to play out. Because we know what happened to Stetson Bennett last year when he played Alabama. And also with Arkansas... I'm very happy for Arkansas's one-year turnaround, but in our conference, in the SEC West, when you've been recruiting the way that Arkansas has been, you're not going to turn it around in one year. Um, their recruiting isn't all probably the lowest in our division. So, I mean, it's just impossible to have that quick of a turnaround. So, really, you people should have seen this Georgia game coming, but I didn't expect it to be that thorough. Yeah, well, we talked about this before, Randy, um, off the podcast, how Arkansas, you know, like, good for them. They're obviously very well-coached, well-disciplined, but they just don't have the talent to compete with Georgia. Um, so it'll be interesting to see with Georgia as they get further and further into their SEC schedule, you know, start playing teams like Florida, um, Auburn, obviously, this week. It'll be interesting to see how they can do against teams with probably, you know, better talent composites than Arkansas. Should be fun. Um. If we don't have any more games to recap, the last thing I wanted to bring up is Clemson is now unranked. <laughs> I just, do, we, do we pop the champagne here or do we check back in after like I mean, week 10? I, I, that's I up know. to y'all. That's up to y'all. 
<laughs> I, I, Clemson I don't really is care a, that they're unranked. Yeah. I just think it's funny. I'm like simultaneous. I'm like, I don't know whether to make heads or tails on this. Cause like, obviously this is a really embarrassing year, but on the other hand, it is Clemson and they're still recruiting at an insane level. Like this could just be one down year. Like who knows what next year brings, but I, I'd say the dynasty is definitely not like over, but it has, it's kind of starting to decline. If that makes any sense. Like we can, we can give them one mulligan is how I look at it. But I don't know. I feel like people are overreacting a little bit. Do you get that vibe, or is it just me? I, I mean, it's so hard to tell. Um, I mean, I'll, I have no idea. We're just gonna have to wait and see. Really, wait and see. I'll yes. put it this way: I have a very, very frightening statistic for those out there. Um, Five thirty-eight. Uh, you know, they usually do political predictions. Yeah. They now have one for Clemson. Clemson right now is tied with Wake Forest in playoff odds, despite the fact that Wake Forest is you know five and zero and Clemson's three and two. If Clemson wins out. They have a ninety-one, or pardon me, a thirty-two percent chance of making the playoffs. So I really I would, hope they don't. Come on, I would definitely say <laughs> that Clemson no longer controls uh, their own destiny after that second loss. But that being said, I don't think that Clemson. I'm putting it past them not to finish the season eleven and two and start clamoring for a spot. Kind of similar to how Ohio State had had some struggles early midseason in 2018 finished 11 and 2 and then to this day really still making noise about how they deserve to be in despite those two losses um I hope so that's not. that's kind of what i foresee potentially I, I, coming down the line you gotta win them yeah a two-loss team has never made the playoffs right it's always nope. been one loss or no losses don't believe so yep it's got to be one loss and especially with a team em. like cincinnati Hovering around in the background, like I, I'd be so mad if, if Clemson ends up winning out and makes the playoffs. Like they, they don't. There's just to. too much. <laughs> yeah. There's just too many. There's too many Cinderella stories happening in real time right now for them to for us to even consider yeah. a three and two Clemson. Yeah. Well, the same tool gives Cincinnati. If if even if Cincinnati wins out, they only give Cincinnati a sixty-two percent chance of making oh the playoffs. So it looks that's like still pretty good, though. That's still it's, it's better, than, it's better than any group of five team has ever been at this point in the year. But oh. that being said, that's kind of right on the border of: do they truly control their own destiny, or are they really hoping that the SEC or the Big Ten doesn't make a case to get two teams in? Because that could be a death death sentence for them as well. I don't know, man. So long as teams like Oregon keep losing. I, I feel like I feel like this is Cincinnati's year. I think this. I really think this is the year they make it because they're going to win out, like straight up. I'm not going to win. I wouldn't but, be. Hey, I wouldn't be so quick to say that I'm anything could happen. Oh, if I jinx some weird things keep I happening week to week. But they um, look really good. <laughs> so there are always teams. I'm gonna. Okay, one last example. I know you have something you've been dying. You've been telling me that you've been dying to talk about. It's true. No, but I have one last thing I wanted to bring out. Bring up. There have been countless examples of a team that looks like a Cinderella team. They might start out 4-0, 5-0, 5-1, but then end the season 5-7. and So we have to be careful of being too hype on certain teams. The perfect example of that, just off the top of my head, would be Kentucky in like 2015. That happened to them. It also happened to them in 2016. Kentucky is currently 5-0. Uh, if you don't mind, Jimbo, would you mind playing back what I said about Kentucky last week real quick? Kentucky is one of those teams. They're just trying to be the best of the rest in the East. Thank you. Um, I really don't think I really don't think they're going to be a good Cinderella team. But it's just it's fun to watch these Cinderella possibilities. If Kentucky proves me wrong and somehow beats Georgia and LSU, great for them. But I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves with really hyping up certain teams. 
as badly as we want to. Well, there you go. Speaking of hyping up teams, there's one team in the Big Ten that's gotten a lot of hype lately that I just wanted to talk about for a little bit here. I've been hyping this up, Q, Randy, for a little bit, and NSB. Um, my experience this week with Michigan and and their fans specifically. And um, I, I wanted to start a new segment on the show, <clears throat> a new award that we hand out every week to, to one team. And we're calling it the That Was Their Super Bowl Award. This award goes to the team that just won their season Super Bowl, and their fans know it, and they celebrated like they just won the Super Bowl. And uh, that team, of course, this week is Michigan. Uh, Randy, if it, your thoughts on this award so far? Are, are you in favor of this? I, I like the idea. Okay. So, like, I could just think off the top of my head of a uh, a few teams. Maybe not, I wouldn't say they won their Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but they definitely have, like, this big achievement in the middle of the season that it makes the hype go to their head, like yeah. I was just talking about. And they get ahead of themselves, and it just sets themselves up for disappointment. Mm-hmm. So for me, the thing is, I, I, I need to give some context for this, I suppose. Uh, Michigan, uh, they've been playing Wisconsin every year for the last six or so years. Uh, we're 3-3, three and three, tied series in the last six years since we started playing. Uh, and most games have actually been blowouts. When Wisconsin wins, we win by like 30. When Michigan wins, they win by like 30. But uh, this year was different because Michigan, of course, won at Camp Randall for the first time in 20 years. And I got to say, I, of all the fans I've interacted with, and I've, I've interacted with quite a few going to bowl games, going to away games in the past, I, I don't know if there's a more delusional fan base in college football than Michigan. And I, I, I really oh my mean God. No, I, I really mean that. I'm, I'm, I know recency bias. I know classic Jimbo overreacting, being hyperbolic. But, but really, <laughs> this, this isn't the first time. I've interacted with Michigan fans like this. You have to understand. Well, what about them is so over the top? Like, how are they so overconfident? Well, I'll give you some examples here. Um, Michigan fans are the type of people that, um, you know, say say it's a third quarter in a blowout game. Game's effectively over. Uh, Michigan gets a first down. You got the, the dude bros in front of you standing up, clapping, you know, giving each other high fives, yelling, first down, doing the hand signal. At, at one point, Randy, <laughs> in the fourth quarter... The game was over. Like, we were down by, like, 21 or something like that, right, with, like, seven minutes to go. All the Michigan fans in the student section uh, gathered together and, like, formed a blob, kind of, like, in the center of it, and started chanting out, This is our house. Oh, my this God. Y'all aren't house. even rivals. I'm like, bro. Y'all aren't even rivals, We though, aren't even like... rivals. We aren't even rivals. And, you know, that's the thing, Randy. Uh, if they're doing this to us, Wisconsin fans, that means, like, you know they're doing this, like, when they play at Iowa. Or at Illinois, or or at Purdue, you know what I mean? Like this, we're not Ohio State, we're not even Michigan State. We're we're kind of nobody to them, right? We're just another Big Ten team. And you know, again, if they're, if they're doing this to us, man, you have to assume that they're doing this to everyone, because because that's just kind of who they are, man. Like that's that's who they are as people, I think. Um, and, and this was their Super Bowl, and it shows, man, because they they acted like it. I mean, did you see the the video of the of Michigan in the locker room after the game? I did not. Like, dude, jumping around, hooting, and like it, it was like it was literally like they just won the Big Ten title. Um, and, oh, yeah, no, really. And and this is the closest they are we'll get setting to themselves up for disappointment. They, they are. are setting themselves up for disappointment because you can't celebrate too early. That goes that goes within the game itself, and that goes within the season because they play Nebraska next week at True. Nebraska, a team we clowned on really hard, mm-hmm. who is now looking very much improved. 
when you get too high for a game like that, too hyped, you just set yourself up for disappointment later on. You have to stay consistent and you have to keep you can't celebrate like you won the Super Bowl before you win the Super Bowl. Exactly. And I'm telling you, dude, this season actually it has a lot of parallels to 2018. If you recall that season with Michigan, uh, they, they lost their first game against Notre Dame, but they went on a 10-game winning streak. 10 games. They were 10-1 and one at one point. They, they played Ohio State for the Big Ten East title, and it, it looked like they actually might make the playoffs that year. They were number four headed into that Ohio State game, and they got blown out. They lost by like 30 points or something like that. They went on to get play uh, Florida in in the Peach Bowl, got blown out in that too. Ended up finishing like ten and three, ranked fifteen or something like that. And listen, one final story about Michigan fans I wanted to share. Uh, twenty eighteen is near and dear to my heart because I I went to the Big House that year. I, I visited some friends who were going to grad school at Michigan, and uh, that that was a rough year. Michigan destroyed Wisconsin. They beat us by like thirty points or something like that. And I remember as I was leaving the stadium that day. Uh, it was at night, like 10 o'clock at night. I just wanted to go home, right? I was I was embarrassed, wanted to get out of there. And I, oh, I distinctly God. remember this one Michigan fan, as we were walking out of the stadium, he like went out of his way and came up to our group and started yelling, yikes, 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 just over and over again, like following us yelling that. And I, I really, I, that just sh- sums up the Michigan fan base, dude. That That's who they are. Like they, they taunt you when you lose. And, and the thing is, they, they, they beg for forgiveness when they're down. Like, think about it when Michigan loses to Ohio State every year. You know, they put their tail between their legs. They, they, they cry, they, they moan, they piss. And, and they act like, you know, oh, we're, we're so cursed. We're, it's just, what was me? In their defense. You know? In their defense, Listen, Michigan dude. has had the two most memed moments in probably they college football it. history. They deserve it, dude. I, is that is that karma for uh, this is, their ways? I mean, you. Can, I really hope we don't have Michigan fans that listen to this. No, no, just so you I know, sure. I'm not officially signing off on the gym the gym bomb here. I am. I am officially signing <laughs> off. This is basically a gym bomb. And so don't cancel me. me for it if this is yeah, cancelable. No, that's fine. I mean, I'm I I have no. <laughs> I I am not aware of any Michigan fans who listen to this. In fact, I know of many Notre Dame fans who listen to this. Michigan State fans who listen to this. <laughs> who will or Ohio State fans who will hear this and completely agree with me. So I, okay. I have nothing to worry about. So I know NSB is going to have some input real quick, but weirdly, what this kind of almost reminds me of is the Georgia fan base. Now, Georgia fans, I wouldn't say they're like bad. I wouldn't say they're anything like what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But they do this thing where they talk about how like we're going to beat the the crap out of Auburn. Look at how good we are, man. We're going to the SEC championship. We can go to the CFP. Look at how good we are. They, but then at the same time, they want us to feel sorry for them for being cursed. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't have it both ways. You, you have to choose. You can't. Are you cursed and some team we should feel sorry for, or are you going to beat the crap out of Auburn? Exact quote, and going to beat your rivals and go to the championship. I mean, you, you really can't have it both ways. We're not going to feel sorry for you for making the championship game frequently. Exactly. Uh, Turtle, you've been quiet here. Your thoughts on all of this. Sure, I'll just say some of my more negative experiences. I've only really had one in-game experience with with Michigan fans at at Maryland Stadium, and there was a lady that booed, hissed, and spit at our at our student section when Michigan was up. I want to say it was about a forty-point win for Michigan. Um, I think, or I believe, our only touchdown was on a kickoff return. So it was it was that type of game. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Jimbo. Obviously, I'm probably a little more partial than you because we're in the same division, technically divisional rivals, although they never say that. And just generally speaking, um, both of those fan bases would probably agree that they're al- almost always there. 
in many ways, they're like the Texas uh, of the Big Ten, both Michigan and Penn State. But I just have a very hard time having sympathy for either of them. I think they're it's a it's a strong case of the grass is always greener mentality um, at play, and I think it has very negative impacts. But that being said, if I if I were giving the Super Bowl award, I like your rationale for why you gave it to Michigan. I I was not aware of how their players behaved in the locker room after the game. I find that to be interesting fuel for Nebraska going forward. Um, I would probably give the award to Cincinnati because I think that was their biggest test of the season. Really? Um, but they definitely have a lot of football left to play. But so, so overall, I, I, yeah. I like your rationale for Michigan. So am I getting ahead of myself saying Cincinnati is a lock for the playoffs, I suppose? Perhaps I think I'm you're getting ahead of yourself. Anything <laughs> can happen, especially to in the G5. It, it's so weird how often they beat up on each other despite also beating up in Power 5 teams. Like A, a, a group of five team can beat a Power 5 team did immediately go lose to UConn or something. It's it's weird. So that's why I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I feel good about them. However, I wanted to also point out what you based on what you were talking about before with like Michigan fans or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think this brings up a more all encompassing point in sports about toxicity in sports and where is like the line drawn for banter versus trash talk versus mm-hmm. where does it become toxic? Yeah. I think for me, like a lot of it comes down to Almost how clever and direct is your trash talker banter? Pointing out, pointing out somebody specifically to laugh at them for losing, or just saying "ha ha ha, you lost." If what you amount, what you say just amounts to "ha ha ha, look at this time that you lost," mm-hmm. that's just it comes off as toxic because it's just kind of rubbing it in. Versus something clever like, okay, so for example, when Steve Spurrier says you can't spell citrus without ut, I don't find that toxic. That's hilarious. That's funny. It's clever. It makes you think. You know, and he's also not specifically pointing out a person. Yeah. Like, for example, I'm not a fan at all when people. Sometimes this happens. People will ping a user that they know after a game when they lost, just to like remind them that they lost. And I find that a little. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. Um, For me, man, it's it's just line. I agree. For me, it's like the sassy Twitter posts you'll see, of like, um, you know, like a team will beat another team and then like post like. You know, like their mascot with like the Jordan eyes or like Photoshop their, you know, logo to look like an L. Something yeah, like that. It's, it's just, just all, all uh, the joke amounts to is you lost this exactly. one time. Yeah, yeah. Like Arkansas did this to Texas when Arkansas beat Texas earlier this year. Literally all they posted was a loss montage of all the Texas losses in the past couple yeah. of years. And I'm like, that's, I mean, I like that universities are getting involved in the trash talking with the passion of sports. But be clever about it, at least. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I get it's hard to be classy while, like, also <laughs> taunting in a way. Also, you know I, mean? I think timing but, matters. It's yeah. harder to be, like, classier, I guess, about it right after it happens. Right. Because people are going to be the most emotional right then. But, right. like I said, I think it all comes down to cleverness. Well, and for me, one further thing to add to context with this is, like, you know, is this game a rivalry? Or is this just, like, a random, you know, a random week in, in college football like that's like like i said before with michigan like they have literally no history with like wisconsin right like i could get it if they're being like this to ohio state fans or something but you know like when when bama beats up on like a random sec team like i don't know like arkansas or like, like Ole kentucky miss. You're, Ole miss it it's just like, happened this last week we didn't we didn't yeah. glow i mean we were we celebrated and we were happy but yeah, it wasn't yeah. like we didn't treat it like we just won the super bowl or like you beat auburn you have to right? it's like you've been there before yeah turtle your thoughts on this I think you all pretty much summed it up. I've, I think I've given my two cents here. 
<laughs> I don't know. I feel bad, Turtle. I, I feel like, is is Maryland, like, on the receiving end of a lot of trash talking? Like, being a fan of a team that's sort of not a blue blood? I don't know how to describe it. I'm trying to be nice here. I'd say, yeah, I, I would I would say so. I think, in particular, we're kind of a punching bag is probably the best way to describe it. Um, mm-hmm. I think just today on the subreddit, there was a joke that was made. I guess there was a glitch with the... Um, you know, there's the matchup previews that are done on the subreddit and that are automatically generated. And for whatever reason, it didn't have the Iowa game listed in Iowa, Maryland. So it listed when it listed Iowa's schedule for Iowa, Penn State, which is obviously the biggest game possibly of the past few years. It listed that as a buy for Iowa, which triggered a bunch of jokes. But the top comment was from a, a, a Penn State person who said, you know, oh, Maryland and a buy one and the same, which is awfully selective in memory considering that Maryland won by two touchdowns last year. Um, so that's, that's, that's just sort of the, the mentality that I think you, I think you definitely were on the receiving of the end of that this week. I think it was probably now, you know, a little bit more of what it's like potentially to be a Maryland fan or a Rutgers fan in terms of this is, this is how other fan bases treat you. Um, at least in football, obviously we're probably on the on the flip side in basketball because we're generally yeah. one of the near near blue bloods on that Except side. Except the last year's tournament. <clears throat> okay, dude. I had yes, sorry. Know. I know this is a college football podcast, but I wanted to bring it up. There we go. So I'm sorry, yes. I'm sorry we didn't get Turgeon fired. I know you probably <laughs> would have liked that at least. Uh, I don't know. The last if he keeps coaching like he did last year, I might not be that 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 upset with him, but. That's that's another story for another podcast. <laughs> Basketball's okay, starting like okay. a month, right? Like when is is that that's coming soon ish? We're about a month away. I didn't yeah. even think about that. We were about a month away. It's from October, dude. Holy cow! Alabama is going to the Final Four. Quote me on this. <laughs> I'll quote All right. You. Okay. Are you ready? Are you guys ready for this week's picks? Yes, I, I've selected a handful of games I want to touch base on. Um, Randy, why don't you start? I. With I had a lot of trouble just trying to condense this because there are so, so many, many awesome games that are coming up this week. Um, one, the first one I want to mention is the obvious is going to be the Red River Red Red River Rivalry. Obviously, tongue, yeah. tongue twister. Yeah. yeah, Oklahoma versus Texas. So I have talked to both Oklahoma fans and Texas fans to get their thoughts on this game, and from what I hear is that neither fan base is confident. Like the fan both fan bases are predicting that the opposite team is going to end up winning. Really? Um yeah, our friend of the podcast Wooden, he uh he straight up said, "Yeah, uh Texas is going to win 35-24." Something like that. And I'm like, "Do y'all have no confidence?" Basically, both teams have some pretty glaring flaws. Texas being inconsistency with a new coach, Oklahoma being offensive line and just trying to pull everything together with that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a very interesting game. I am not ready to... I will. I know I gave the spiel about how I'm going to lean into hot takes in the last episode, Yeah. but I'm still going to try to be controlled with it enough to be reasonable hot takes that I actually believe in. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to give it for this game. I do think Oklahoma wins. Wow. I just don't think Texas is going to have have all the pieces they need to pull this out. I'll say this regarding this game, because I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, every one of Oklahoma's wins over FBS teams, this includes G5, has been by seven or less points. They've all been one-score games, all, all pretty close, all kind of too close for comfort, frankly. Um, 
And in contrast, I mean, I, I get it, Texas lost to Arkansas, but it was at Arkansas. It was a clearly a very inspired Arkansas early in the season. Since then, I mean, they dropped 70 points against Texas Tech, and I get it's Texas Tech, but they dropped 70 points. That's still pretty impressive. I think I think Texas might win this one. I think it'll be close regardless. It, I feel like this game's always close every year, but I don't know, man. I think Texas, people are kind of sleeping on them, and I, I think they are better than, like, I think they're ranked 21 right now. I, I think they're better yeah. than the 21st team in the nation. I, I do think this is a pretty solid team, like a top 15 team that has certainly the ability to knock off in, in Oklahoma. And if they come out really inspired, then that would definitely uh, yeah. mean a whole lot. Well, and it's, it's, I mean, after all, this is the rival. Game. This is a rivalry game where anything could happen. Exactly. Yeah, emotions are going to be a really big factor in this game. I feel like, and Texas, I, I think has maybe a little bit more to build off of than Oklahoma does, just because all of Oklahoma's games are so close. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. My take on this, I'll preface this by saying that I do think that if there's a year for Texas to win um, and potentially win big, this is probably that year. I think, like everybody else has said here, the Oklahoma team this year has shown a lot of weaknesses. I don't think they showed as many weaknesses last week. I think last week they actually showed genuine signs of improvement over, I believe it was K-State. Yep. Uh, this was last week's opponent. Yeah, I think K-State scored a, lo- a lot of points there in garbage time, but ultimately they just, you know, the clock ran out on them. Um, and I do think that a lot of K-State keeping it close in the, in the books at the end was due to a lot of, of favorable luck there at the end. I think there was a very infamous call made related to a an onside kick that was reviewed twice <laughs> um, due to Lincoln Riley challenging it, which is just a, an overall fascinating sequence to observe. Regardless, I think Oklahoma, from a statistical perspective, won that game by multiple scores, took care of business. They are where I think they needed to be at this point in the year. I know last week I said they were yet to be defeated. I don't think that changes. I think this is one of Oklahoma's biggest chances for a loss. I'm still pretty comfortable in saying that Oklahoma by a touchdown is a good bet. The line right now is is three and a half. I'm pretty confident in saying Oklahoma by a touchdown. Wow. Odd man out here. Is what it is. Uh, moving on, a game I'm I'm actually pretty pretty hyped for this week that I haven't seen anyone talk about. Number eleven, Michigan State at Rutgers. Now hear me <laughs> out. Hear me out. I like Michigan State. I've said this before on the podcast. I really like their new coach. I like what they're doing. I think they got a lot of good things going for them. But I don't think they're quite as good as their record indicates. They're five and zero, but you know they had a close call against Nebraska. Uh, they haven't really played anyone too great this year and just looking at the resume here they beat miami northwestern kind of kind of below average schools this year i'd say and beyond that man rutgers looking back i mean yes they just got destroyed by ohio state but i think ohio state's getting better and they kept it really close against michigan they held michigan to just 20 points which having just seen michigan's offense holding them to 20 points is actually pretty impressive uh, I, I could absolutely see Rutgers getting the upset here and, and defeating Michigan State at home. Again, keep in mind, this is at home, which which can play into their favor. Um, which, I mean, hey, if, if Rutgers does find a way to pull through, that might be like the biggest win Rutgers has had in like like 10 years maybe. So I'm definitely rooting for the Scarlet Knights on this one. I always root for chaos as long as it doesn't involve my team. <laughs> so I will obviously be rooting, rooting for Rutgers. I don't really have much else to say. I know this one's kind of catch me off guard. That's fine. No one's talking yeah. about this one. <laughs> sure, I, I, I can, I, I can, I can pick up where everybody else sleeps off here. Sure. Um, yeah. Overall, I think that this is this one is very, very. Da- it has danger written all over it for Michigan State. I right. think 
This is t- t- very similar to the Nebraska game where you see a team like Nebraska. Nebraska and Rutgers, I think, have in common that they are teams that are better than their record indicates. They have played very difficult teams up to this point. Rutgers has been forced to play Ohio State and Michigan, and Michigan State doesn't play anybody really of note until yeah. probably late late October into November. So they've got, they've had a very favorable schedule to set themselves up for a nice run here. I think Michigan State, line is Michigan State by five. I think that's pretty much on the head. Stay away from that line. I think this is, you know, a marginally weighted coin toss in favor of Michigan State. I don't think that Rutgers is dealing with a lot of injuries in the secondary and on offense, but their defense is very, very good yeah. under Schiano. So uh, I will be very interested to see if Rutgers can, can frustrate the Michigan State offense. It has been very highly touted. Amen to that. So I, my last point I wanted to make um, with Michigan State, you remember a little bit ago I talked about Kentucky, how there was a couple years in a row where they started out four and one, yeah. five and one, yeah. and then ended both years five and seven. I see a five and a Michigan State team, and I'm happy that they've improved so far, but I'm not going to say they would be that bad, but I see maybe four, maybe five losses on the schedule. Yeah. So. Man, I mean, they, they have yet to play Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Maryland. I mean, it's it's going to be a pretty tough uh, stretch in the second half of the year for them. But uh, we'll, we'll see if they get exposed early or later, I suppose, in this case. Because I, I think they will be exposed at some point. Hate to say it. Yep. All right, moving on. Uh, Turtle, did you have any games that you want to talk about? Uh, we could talk about Maryland and Ohio State. Let's I know go for it, it definitely took the... Do it. Took the Took the shine a little bit off of this one. Um, <laughs> obviously, in terms of uh, Maryland's pretty embarrassing loss to Iowa. But all I will say is this. I just reading the subreddit, reading the Ohio State forums, I love to do this before our matchups. I love to see where the other fan base is feeling about this. Before the Iowa game, I was seeing nothing but negativity on their side. They were worried about Petrus. They were worried about handling Talia. And they did that. They did everything they needed to do. They checked all the boxes. That being said, a lot of that was due to, um, first of all, the biggest play, I think, of Maryland's season so far, the Dante Dimas kickoff return. His knee bends backwards, tears every ligament. He drops the ball out of the pain. Iowa scoops up the ball on their 10 and then turns a three-point game where Maryland has the ball into a 10-point game where Talia starts to panic and throw some interceptions. I don't think Maryland is as bad as the team that was on paper. In the Iowa game, even though it was, I don't think we were as good as some people had hyped us up to be. I don't think we were as bad as the score shows. So I think that's a very dangerous trap for Ohio State fans. I'm looking at the line right now. It's Ohio State by three touchdowns. Realistically, I think I think Maryland can keep it within two touchdowns, maybe 10 points or so. I don't think we'll win, but I do think we have the chance to really turn things around from what was probably rock bottom of the past few years for Maryland last week. Man. Hey, uh, do you think the, the Urban Meyer drama plays any factor into this? Like, at all? Or is um, that, is that I far-fetched? I don't know. I, Wait, I hold on. Why would, that, why would that play any kind of factor? He's in the NFL. It's just I think there are just some, definitely some, some you know. interesting questions about the Ohio State locker room. Because I think, you know, for all the focus that, you know, the mental mistakes of Maryland had last week on Talia and, and his mistakes, if you look at how the players have responded in the past under Loxley, particularly in the past two years, 
it, it under Durkin and under the first year of Loxley, Maryland, as soon as it faced adversity, tended to fold. And I'm not talking about within a game because obviously they folded pretty badly against Iowa. But going forward, game to game, you know, they faced some adversity and then it just totally derailed the program. If you look at 2019, close, tough loss to, to Temple, arguably got unlucky on some on some key plays down the stretch. And they came out the next week and scored zero points against Penn State at home. Um yeah, you know, so the mental, I feel like the players are a lot more willing to go to bat for Loxley, even if, you know, arguably his coaching is not maybe as good as some of the past coaches we've had at Maryland. I think the locker room culture is kind of corrected for some of his his shortcomings. Ohio State is very interesting. They're on their backup defensive coordinator effectively at this point in the year. They've demoted their defensive coordinator in season. Um, obviously, they had one player storm off the field, and obviously he was deep on the depth chart, but... There's some stuff going on under the surface there that I don't think has really been. Obviously, it was exposed against Oregon. They've shaken things up a little bit then and have improved, but they haven't really faced a decent team since that Oregon game. So I think, you know, as much as people will look at Maryland's locker room issues, I think people also need to take a look at Ohio State's locker room issues, not just here, but going forward. I don't think Urban really, in particular, has (laughs) it in in their defense. uh, Yeah. CJ Stroud has seemed to have looked better, and since they made the shakeup at defensive coordinator, uh, their defense looks looks. I see the play calls themselves are a lot better. They seem more in position, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. How, how lame would it be if like Ohio State just ends up winning out and wins the Big Ten and makes the playoffs? Like, I know after be all that lame. hype after they lost to Oregon, we all assumed it was a terrible year for them. But as much know. as I hate this, as much as I hate to say it, currently they are the number five team in 538's playoff predictor, just behind Iowa and just ahead of Cincinnati. That's so, crazy. yeah, if I, if, especially if Iowa loses here to Penn State, I think Ohio State is obviously they, they'd fall slightly behind Penn State, but I think that put basically puts them in the driver's seat because they do get Penn State at home this year. Right. Well, speak, All right. Speaking of Penn State, I don't know if. You guys want to talk about that game, or should we save it for, for the last? Save, save the best for last? I well, don't know. we'll save it for last. I have one. All right. All right. Auburn versus Georgia. Yes. Bo Nix has improved so much under this new offense. He's having he's fun. focused. He's having fun. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he's a dark horse for the Heisman. Am I right? <laughs> no, but okay. So during the LSU game, he led a 10 point, nine point comeback versus LSU in the fourth quarter at LSU. I found that to be very impressive. He, he was playing, his stats for the game were actually, on paper, not very good, but his play was very good. Um, he was almost having to hero ball it. He was having to make some very nimble plays to escape pressure. He put the team on his back, and he responded very well to getting benched in the Georgia State game. So to see Bonix do that is very impressive, and it should give Auburn fans a lot of hope. With that being said, Auburn has a history of, of having moments like this and then falling apart the next week. It's just how they are. It's in their DNA. They play Georgia at home. A Georgia that we saw is in um, what I would call in in death machine mode. That's what Saban (laughs) tends to do with his teams. When he gets them on a roll, he gets them on a roll. And I fear that Georgia is going to be doing the same thing when they come into Auburn to play Auburn. However, if any team can beat Georgia, just I don't want to say randomly. I mean, they look like a decent team. It would be Auburn. And that Penn State loss that they had by one touchdown earlier in the year is looking better and better. 
Um, however, I do think the game versus Georgia is going to come down to Bo Nix. Bo Nix is going to be put under a lot of pressure, and I don't mean necessarily from Georgia's defensive line. I mean, obviously he is. But what I mean is, is the game is going to be squarely on his shoulders. I know their running backs are very good, but he's going to have to be able to throw the ball downfield and escape and do everything he did versus LSU, but dial it up to 11. I will say this about first. Auburn this year. Between the Georgia game at home and the Alabama game at home, I would be very, thoroughly unsurprised to see them beat at least one of those teams. I don't think it's going to be Georgia. I'll just I'll, I'll give a hint right now. I don't think that they're playing quite a high enough level to stop Georgia, the Georgia of right now. Maybe if they played at the end of the year, you know, obviously we mentioned Georgia's instability at the quarterback position. You know, potentially they get destabilized. I think that right now Georgia looks like a much more stable team than even Alabama at this point, uh, which you you call death machine mode. I fully agree with that. the use of that terminology in this case. So I think right now, seeing Georgia as a death machine, barring some kind of injury, Auburn would need a lot of help to win this game. But I do think between Georgia and Alabama, there, there probably is a win there for, for Auburn. I don't think they're, they're quite as bad as some people have assumed that they are. I could see it. I just, okay, then my one hang-up with Georgia is we still, we still don't know really who they've played. Obviously, they beat Clemson to start the year, but that was the first game of the year, and Clemson was very bad and still is kind of bad. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't really know what the win means. We still don't know. And we don't really know what the Arkansas win means. We don't know how Arkansas is going to respond. We don't know how good they really are. I mean, they're decent, but there is a talent differential there. So we don't. I feel like this Auburn game is going to be a much bigger test for them a much bigger bar for them to see where they're at than any of their other games. I'd agree. And I, one thing, I think that what you were kind of hinting at with Auburn, it, it feels like Auburn as a program has this, like, mean magic to them. Like, it, the, oh, my the, God. Like, you know what I mean, though? Like, the craziest things happen to uh, I, I I'm sorry to – not just the kick six, but, like, actually think back to when they beat Georgia that one time off of that really crazy Hail Mary that was tipped and, like, caught without the guy even seeing the ball in his hand. Um, that's the thing Auburn is one of those teams so like you people think oh I know what it's like to have a close conference game (laughs) that's not what that's not that's not Auburn Auburn isn't just having a close conference game the Auburn experience is like you know how Penn State was forced to punt and third down with some kind of weird voodoo thing going on yeah it's that have you ever had to pull a fourth and six out of your butt on a broken down play to beat Georgia State but then go on the next week to beat LSU with amazing quarterback play from the guy who just got benched. I mean, have you ever won consecutive games? It's crazy. Uh, and some miracle and you know, that other play I'm not going to mention. <laughs> like, Have you ever beaten both of your rivals who were ranked number one at the time just for you yourself to miss the playoffs and watch both rivals play each other in the championship game? That's that's that Auburn voodoo. And it even goes to basketball. They do it in basketball, too. I know this is a football podcast. But they had the miraculous Final Four run. Yeah. They had the one of the greatest comebacks in the Final Four ever. But they lost it on a very obvious missed call by the ref. And it wasn't an opinion judgment call. It was like it would be like missing missing a a, a play clock violation in football. Like it was not a judgment call. Just weird things always happen in Auburn sports. That's why it can be very hard to predict them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it is the way it is there. It just is. 
they're like the they're like the anti-Bama. Like Bama is extremely predictable. In Auburn, yeah, and it's weird. Card, it's know? very coincidental that they're the anti-Bama and that in that we happen to be in-state rivals. Go figure. All right, uh, moving on here. Uh, Turtle or Randy, any other games you're looking forward to? I have one I wanted to bring up, but I don't know if you guys had it planned. It was the Michigan-Nebraska oh, game. Oh, yes. I was going to mention that Let's next. Do it. <laughs> yeah. You can go Let's ahead, then. You can go ahead with the Michigan-Nebraska. Well, so, so for all my reasons stated beforehand during my, my rant, you know, Michigan is obviously extremely like confident right now, and I, I, I think it's it's overconfidence. Um, in contrast, like Nebraska is actually also confident, but they, the confidence from these teams come from two very different places. Okay, Nebraska's confidence comes from the fact that like they've already lost games. You know, they lost Oklahoma, obviously, but they kept it close, and they improved from that loss. You know what I mean? They, they've gotten better as the season has gone on. Whereas Michigan's confidence, you know, it comes from a place of, you know, oh, we, we kick so much butt, we're so much better than you, we're, we, we're just going to stomp through everyone. You know what I mean? It's it's like, it, it, it lacks the perspective of, you know, of a loss like Nebraska has. Like, Michigan hasn't necessarily improved as the season has gone on. They've kind of just been Michigan football this whole year. And so, that said, you know, we, we always talk about this as a very emotional game, a very emotionally charged game full of 18 and 19 year old college kids, right? I think Nebraska, man, I, I, I really think mentally they're, they're, they are way more prepared for this game than Michigan is. Okay. This is a game at Nebraska. Okay. This is going to be a, a night game. I believe, um, Nebraska, I, I believe so. And yeah, you know, that said Nebraska fans for kind of the first time really since Scott Frost was hired, I, I feel like they actually have faith. Like, do you get that vibe too? Like, even though they're like what three and two, it, it yeah. Feels like it and feels I wasn't seeing that. You know? I wasn't mm. seeing that before the Oklahoma game. I had yeah. no reason to they believe that they could have. And they had confidence. They have faith, and it's from a good place. It it really is. It's not overconfidence. It's just the right amount. And because of that, I, I think Nebraska not only wins this game, but actually like probably wins it fairly comfortably. We're talking about like ten to fourteen points. I, I you, really believe so. You stole my hot take, but oh anyway. well, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> You stole my hot take. So I'll go ahead and get my other hot take then. My other hot take was I believe Michigan ends the year eventually at 8-4. That is hot. <laughs> that is very hot. I wanted to put that on the record. Quote me on this. I will. Um, no, but Nebraska has looked very improved throughout the season. Uh, granted, all of their losses are one-score losses and are two seemingly decent teams in yep. Oklahoma yep. and Michigan State. Um, Adrian Martinez has looked very improved. They still have a pretty bad offensive line. Um, but at this point, they're coming into the game with, I think, a much better attitude than Michigan, like you said. They're coming into it like they're playing with house money. So they're playing confident. They're playing loose. They feel like they have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. But they still feel like they have the confidence to win the game. And they know how much it'll mean to their program if they win this game. Yeah, and their coach, who was like on the hot seat like entering this season. And we all assumed he'd be gone. Like I, I was such a big Scott Frost hater. I, I was so on, on board with firing him. And now it's like, wait a second. He might have figured it out finally, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and it's weird. I'll but, put it this way: with, with Wisconsin, with, sorry, excuse me, not Wisconsin, Nebraska, yes. Michigan, Nebraska. I have, I have all these slip-ups. The Michigan-Nebraska game. I do think that Michigan wins. I think it's very razor-thin close. I think this is one of their big scares, and this is the first of many toss-up games for Michigan going forward. Just looking at their schedule, Michigan has 
at Penn State. They obviously have Ohio State at the end of the year, but that's in Ann Arbor, and they have at Maryland, and then they obviously have Michigan State later in the year. Yeah, Every single one of those games, including Nebraska, I think you're basically flipping a coin here for Michigan. So I agree, Jimbo. I think they might be a little overconfident after that big win over Wisconsin. Um, I do think that, and this is a night game too. It was yep. another detail that I had not seen. Nebraska fans are very hungry for this one. But I don't. I agree with you. I don't think they're being unreasonable for once, which is not typical for their fan base. <laughs> so, yeah, I, if if you had to give me a game where Michigan is, you know, the danger sign should be going off, this should be one of them. And I'll, I'll take Michigan, but I'll take Michigan possibly in overtime here by a field goal or something because that's that's about how close this one feels. That'd be fun. I'll take that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I I think, you know, obviously Michigan is good. I just don't think they're quite as good as their fans wish they were. That's kind of how I would sum it up right now. Absolutely. Okay, Randy. All right. I have one, another one. LSU versus Kentucky. So this is going to be a home game for Kentucky. They just got off a very nice home game versus Florida. Or they won. They're playing an LSU team that got, I don't want to say embarrassed, but that's a very gut-wrenching loss to be up by two scores yeah. in the fourth quarter and have Auburn, of all teams, come back on you. Um, trust me, I know how it feels. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> however, I've made this point about Kentucky now twice, now three times in this episode. I do think they lose to LSU. I Ooh. think yeah. Coach O knows that he's coaching for his job. Mm-hmm. Coach O's best trait as a coach is really being a hype man. I mean, you know his Cajun accent. I'm Coach O, go Tigers. Anyway, beautiful impression. <laughs> I just, I don't see Kentucky as being going to hang on like that. They are known, they are weirdly known for being a tough, gritty team with a tough defense, tough on, tough offensive line, but I just think they get overpowered in this game. They also, I mean, it would be dumb to overlook LSU, but they know they're playing at Georgia the next week. So I could see them kind of looking ahead, not trying to look past LSU, but they know what's coming ahead. It's going to be hard for them to want to leave it all on the table for this game. I'm going to be frank. I'm going going the other way here. I think that Kentucky, it's a night game. It is. It's it's very hard to look past any night game, I think, realistically. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That is very true. And And just as much as LSU... Coach O is coaching for his job here. I think Kentucky fans are also acutely aware of the fact that they can rid themselves of Coach O by winning this game because I don't think Coach O leaves. Uh, is it is it Lexington? Uh, is the town they might tarmac him in Lexington if if no, Kentucky doesn't do that. No way. First of all, I want to point out LSU and Kentucky don't play that often. They're in the opposite divisions. Mm-hmm. Um, also, with Kentucky, the thing is they did beat Florida. The point I was meant to make earlier was Florida is a very emotional team. Dan Mullen coaches yes. very emotionally. Yes, he does. Yes. We, we have straight up said before that we think he might have a personality disorder. <laughs> and the thing is they had they come off a tough loss against Alabama. Um, I think they were feeling a little down on themselves. I mean, they beat Tennessee last week, but I think they just – they they kind of I don't I don't know how to accurately put this, but they just beat Tennessee. They're like, Ugh, I don't want to think right now. I just want to I want to my what was what, what, autopilot kind of threw this part until we get to LSU Georgia. I, yeah, I was I rewatching. That's what they were thinking. I was rewatching that Florida Kentucky game on the SEC Network last night. Funny enough, and the game basically came down to like this giant uh, like goal line stand 
that Kentucky made, where Florida had a chance to tie it up, like, late in the fourth quarter. And I just remember the last, like, two minutes of regulation in that game was just, like, an onslaught of penalties, like, a false starts, pass interferences, really bad throws, runs that went nowhere. There was, like, seven plays or something for, like, this that started off of a first and goal. And the drive just kept going on. Why I bring this all up, Kentucky tends to kind of play in these kind of nitty-gritty, sloppy games, low-scoring games. We saw them beat South Carolina 16-10, to obviously Florida 20-13. to It feels like, to me, Kentucky, they're not going to be able to win in a shootout, right? They're going to win these games that are really low-scoring, tough and gritty nail-biters that, that can be won by defense. But listen, if LSU comes out with guns blazing and they put up a lot of points early on in the game... I, I don't think Kentucky can can find a way to come back. I think LSU wins this one. I, I think Kentucky's good, but they're not they're not they're not five and zero in the SEC. Good, if that makes any sense. They've had a pretty no, easy I know schedule what you so mean. far. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Anyway, just just to get my score prediction, I'll say Kentucky by three to seven. I think they win and they cover. I, I love the confidence. It should, be, it should be a good one. I think it'll be a good game. I don't think it'll be a blowout either way, but I, I think LSU has the edge in this one. Uh, keeping it in the SEC here, we, I, I swear I've just got like two more picks to go here. Uh, we got number one Bama at Texas A&M. Now, the only reason I'm bringing this game up, because I think we, we all know Bama's going to win, I bring this up because Jimbo Fisher, I think his seat will be warm after this game. I'm not saying it's a hot seat, it's, it's the warm seat. Okay, and hear me out. No. No, hear me out. A Texas A&M entered this season ranked number six. At one point, they were ranked number five. People were talking about Texas A&M in the playoffs heading into this year, okay? Um, you know, we, we kind of predicted them being an NY6 team, a, a New York 6 team at worst. New so, York 6. And here they are now. They've lost two games in a row. They're unranked. Obviously, not only are the playoffs out of question, like the SEC is out of question. Uh, this is Jimbo's fourth year, okay? These are his guys now. It's his team. And listen, I think Bama, they're the kind of team that can drop, you know, 59 on you without really trying. If they lose by enough, if they're embarrassed enough by this game, I think people are actually going to be talking about Jimbo Fisher uh, getting canned at some point in the near future. I, I really think this is the game that kind of sets off uh, those conversations because it will get it will get ugly. It will be that bad to, to watch. I'm going to go the other direction here. I think that Texas A&M keeps it within a single score. I don't Jesus. think they win. Again, I'm going I'm to put this in, in kind of a similar basket as the Maryland game. I, I think this is an, an yet another one where you have to look at this and separate sort of the the recency bias here from what's actually going on here. I think A&M has shown a very strong start to their season. They've had one one bad game so far. You can effectively throw that out when you're just looking at it from an analytics perspective. The spread right now is Alabama by 18. I don't see Alabama covering 18. I don't see them covering half of 18. You've got to be kidding me, dude. It's eight p.m. at a And M. That's all I'm going to say. A and M, a and M, but loses by less than a touchdown. So last week, apparently, Mrs. Randy Darsh listened to the podcast, <laughs> and one of the things she texted me as she was listening to it was, "Who was your friend that you had on? You shouldn't allow him to be on. You should ban him from the all future <laughs> podcast because she did not like your Alabama take." So, uh, honey, please just you know. Ignore what he just said. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. I don't see A&M being able to put that much up of a fight. I just, 
It's one of those things. We've had A&M's number since they beat us that one time in 2012. That <laughs> one time, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the game and the games usually aren't particularly close. They usually come in pretty hyped and we usually destroy their season. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to be cocky. It's just the truth of what usually happens. I legitimately feel bad for them sometimes. So, for example, last year they were talked about as a potential playoff team late in the year. Yep. We beat them 52 to 24. Yep. It's just one of those things. I don't know what it is about Saban, but he has their number. And sometimes I wonder if part of it is he's just still pissed off about that 2012 loss. <laughs> Possible. Yeah, I'm like looking back here. Like 2018, you beat him 45 to 23. 2019, 47 to 28. Last year, obviously, you beat him 52 to 24. It seems like you guys always put up like like 30 or so points more than, than Texas A&M does. And so I, I just I don't expect this year to be any different. I don't see why it would be any different. If anything, it might be worse just because I think AM is a little bit worse than they were uh, the last year. I few think seasons. they have weirdly I don't want to say they've given up, but I don't see what they think feel like they have to play for because yeah. this was a year where they talked about being a New Year six potential playoff and now it's already gone and we're yeah. not even halfway through the season totally. yet. Yeah, they're gonna be five hundred after this, three and three. It's just wild because they were they were so hyped up this year. Like they were genuinely like yeah, like number six at one point. That that's just crazy to me. I don't know. It should be fun. I mean, I'm obviously you know I'd love to see A and M win because I hate Bama, but this I, is probably this, the part where I should apologize to Mrs. Darsh. But I just have to say I stand by I stand by the analytics. I stand by the data. All it's, right, it's brave. all right. That's why we got you here, man. Hey, that's why we got him on. We can, we need to hear some uh, some opposing points of that's view. True. Or it's it's gonna be and all that. Certainly is opposing. <laughs> All right, the only other game I can really think of that I wanted to bring up, I feel bad for not bringing up the Mm Pac-12, but this one needs to be brought up, is Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. Uh, Mm -hmm. These are both one-loss teams. Uh, The Cinderella, hope I guess, is still alive for these teams, if for nothing else than a New Year's Six game, mostly for Virginia Tech. Um, I I don't know if they're going to make it that far. But Virginia Tech has looked slightly improved this year at 3-1. and one. They're only lost to a pretty decent West Virginia team. If they want, if Justin Fuente wants to keep his job, he's going to have to beat Notre Dame. He's going to have to finish the season off strong because he had a couple pretty bad years that he managed to survive as the coach. Mm-hmm. And Virginia Tech has a higher standard than how he's performed. So I think this is a very important game for his job. And I think to a degree he knows that. So, really, this game is going to tell us a lot about about what this team is made of and what he's made of. And before I jump in here, just to, to give a little bit of biased disclosure, I grew up a tech fan, grew up in a tech household. Parents met at tech, have about a half dozen immediate relatives that went to tech. So, that, you know... Putting that all of that aside about how that, you know, that branch of the family would feel about Justin Fuente here... Um, I think if you had to give me one game this week to go to overtime, this would be the one. Notre Dame, <laughs> Notre Dame, in my opinion, is the better team, but there is something about like a Virginia Tech night game. Yep, weird things happen, and Notre Dame—they're coming off that loss where they got walloped by Cincinnati. Both of these teams are in the position, which is very exciting as a college football fan. You know, Previously, we didn't really get this as much in the BCS era where a team would get one loss and they're done. Now we have two teams with one loss that are both probably still on a path to the playoff at this point. And this is the type of game where 
you're going to see everything. You're going to see trick plays. You're going to see fumbles. You're going to see interceptions. You're going to see a lot of emotion, which is going to be great from a fan perspective. I think this one comes right down to the wire. I don't think either team has the ability to pull away here. In a night game in Blacksburg, I'm going to be really, really interested in watching this game. I'll say uh, I'm still pretty high on Notre Dame. I think, uh, you know, I I think of all the one-loss teams so far this year, uh, they're still pretty up there in terms of, like, having a shot at the playoffs. And looking at their schedule, man, like, obviously they just lost to Cincinnati, but they're not going to play a team really nearly as good as Cincinnati for the rest of the season, um, including Virginia Tech. I I don't know. I I think Notre Dame has got a bit of an advantage in terms of recruiting in this one, a a little bit more talented than Virginia Tech. I, I agree this being at Virginia Tech does make it dicey. I like your point, NSB, of this being likely to be OT. I, I know exactly what you mean, dude. Virginia Tech is that type of team. But uh, even if it doesn't go to OT, I, I think Notre Dame wins this one. I think they I think they stay in the playoff race pretty late into the season, to be honest. I, they just seem like that kind of team this year. Fair and enough. when you think about it, Cincinnati really needs Notre Dame yeah, to they stay do. in the playoff race. It's be the if best Notre time. Dame has one loss at the end of the year, I mean, Cincinnati is obviously going to make it over them. But saying, hey, we beat – this team would have been in the playoffs if they didn't beat us. Yeah. That's going to be very important to the committee. Um, fun fact, I actually saw – so the committee chairman, think, I forgot his name, but he had an interview with Feinbaum uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago. And I was able to hear – it was very candid. I was able to hear his thoughts on things such as Group of Fives going to the playoffs and expansion. And from what I can tell, he – he at least he is very open to the idea of having Group of Five teams in. He wasn't giving just canned answers to just pay respects, I guess. It sounded like he was legitimately okay with the idea of a legitimate Group of Five team making it in the playoffs. So I don't see foresee a situation in which Cincinnati is just blackballed from it. He also was very interested in the idea of expansion and made it clear that the wheels are turning for expansion and that he's okay with it. So we have these two factors going into it. And I just think these are two things that could play into Cincinnati's favor. Hopefully. I mean, I I would love to see them make the playoffs. I really would. It's about dang time a G5 team made the playoffs, even if they're just going to lose to Bama. Just, just to get them in the playoffs <laughs> sounds fun. You know? No, I agree. People just want to see see it happen because yeah. it gives other teams, it gives fans of other teams that don't really make the playoffs hope. Right. Hope exactly. that they one day maybe can do it. Um, before we get to the premier game, I think I have one more. I just wanted to pay some homage to the Pac-12. Go for it, yeah. Because we haven't mentioned any West Coast teams yet. Uh, Oregon State versus Washington State. Washington State's 2-3, and three, has a new coach. Who cares? Oregon State is 4-1. and one. They are, right now, they have the best record at the Pac-12, and they are leading the Pac-12 North. So, good job, Oregon State. Congrats. Um, I just think it's very interesting. They have a good, they have a very balanced offense. They're, they have a veteran running back who's getting a lot of NFL looks, whose name is B.J. Baylor. Good name. Good name. Oregon yep. State wins, and they, uh, but I, I think it's close, although I think at the end of it, just straight up Washington State does not really have the dogs to run with with Oregon State at this point in the year but it'll be it'll be very interesting because I think this is one of those teams kind of like your Kentucky like your Michigan State where Oregon State is still looking for a statement win this might be their chance on the road against an in-conference opponent this is going to be one of their big chances for a statement win I'm thinking it's close I think Oregon State wins but they're going to be hungry for a little bit more than just a win here Pac-12 if you want us to talk about your games 
you need to stop beating up in, on each other. True. So, I was so excited for Oregon. There. I was so excited for Oregon. And they, Oregon they always don't lose to Stanford Challenge. Impossible. It is impossible. All right. Well, I guess we can wrap it up today with the uh, the big finale here. We're, of course, talking about number four, Penn State, at number three, Iowa. Undefeated teams in the Big Ten, two of the biggest t- teams in the Big Ten this year. NSB, I know you want to talk about this one. Started off. So I'm the only I'm the only one of the three here I think that has seen Iowa live and in person for the first time. Um, and what I have to say is they they fit the billing of they pounce on every opportunity that you give them. Iowa is not the the biggest team, the strongest team, the fastest team, the team with the most accurate quarterback, the team with the best coaches, but they play disciplined football. They don't turn the ball over, they don't make a lot of critical penalties, and most importantly, they maximize return yardage whether that's punt returns kick returns interception returns i saw a statistic that 25 percent of iowa drives are starting in the opponent territory which is just an insane step because not all of that is just coming from so-called lucky plays like fumbles and interceptions they're setting up a lot of those on kick returns as well we saw them do it against maryland i saw them do it against maryland so just generally speaking here Iowa, very dangerous team in terms of of college football playoff aspirations. That being said, with all of that aside, with Iowa being better than I expected them to be at this point, I think anybody expected them to be at this point, they have been the beneficiary of some unbelievable luck to this point. I do think that's a fair statement to make as well. I think if you look at the Indiana game, they, they had some very timely stops and turnovers. You look at the Iowa State game, they had some timely stops and turnovers. The Maryland game, Maryland was was hanging right with Iowa. With all three of those teams, with the possible exception of Indiana, Iowa State and Maryland were hanging with Iowa. And then there was one critical play that changed the whole trajectory of that game, almost broke the spirit of the opposing team. Against a team like Penn State, I don't know if they're going to necessarily get that play. I'm not going to say Iowa's out of this game. But what I am saying here is that Iowa has relied on getting a lot of those, not just getting a a ridiculous volume of turnovers, but getting critical timing turnovers as well. And this team, honestly, this Iowa team reminds me tremendously of last year's Indiana team and the Hmm. previous year's Minnesota team. We see a team... We see a team that wins game after game after game after game. But when you look at how they do it, you look under the hood, you see a lot of turnovers. You see a lot of things where they seem to have, to, to steal a term from the film industry, they have a little bit of plot armor going through to this point. And State looks I like, like the type of team that should be able to get through that plot armor. And so I will take Penn State by a field goal here. The line is about Iowa by a field goal. I'm taking Penn State by a field goal but I wouldn't be shocked to see Iowa's pretty improbable run continue. You know, I was ready to pick Iowa winning this one pretty easily until you said that, but you brought up some good points here. What, what I think Iowa needs is a team to kind of beat itself, it almost feels like. And to me, Penn State doesn't strike me as the kind of team that's going to make a lot of mistakes. They didn't turn the ball over once against Wisconsin. Um, they're a team that plays pretty disciplined football. And I, I think, you know, if it does kind of come down to a, you know, Iowa needs some massive turn of events to, 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 to swing the game in their favor. I don't think they get that against Penn State. So I, I think I think Iowa still wins in my book, but I could see it being close for sure. Um, you know, this is obviously at home for Iowa. 
which will help them. But, I mean, Penn State came to Camp Randall and, and took care of business, no problem against us. I suspect it'll be a low-scoring game. Again, very similar to what they, they played against us uh, at Camp Randall, but I don't know. I, I would They look good this year. Like, I hate to say it, but they look like what I wish Wisconsin looked like. If, if Iowa comes in and blows out Penn State, I think we're talking about a very... Like, if, if Iowa comes in and blows out Penn State, mm-hmm. they might deserve some number one votes. I don't think they'll jump all the way to number one, but that yeah. it would definitely be the most impressive win of this college football season if they can blow out Penn State the way they've blown out Indiana and Iowa State and Maryland. That's fair. I will say I have watched both of these teams for a couple games, and I will say I think the game comes down to both teams defenses and also sprinkle in what Jimbo said too which is Iowa beats teams that beat themselves and Penn State's very unlikely to do that and the way I tie that into it comes down to defenses is Penn State's defense and Iowa's defense they're both tough defenses but they present present themselves in very different ways Penn State will have a lot of different packages they're very athletic they're going to throw different looks at you they're going to try to confuse you well, Iowa's defense, they're like bigger, more physical. They're gonna let you get they're gonna let you get three to four to five yards at a time, but then the next thing you know, you're throwing an interception because you made a, one mistake. They punish mistakes. And I don't see Penn State being a team that's really going to do that. Um they still have Sean Clifford, who is veteran quarterback, and I don't think they're gonna be able to rattle him. However, this game is at Kinnick. Mm-hmm. Not quite at night, but it will turn night during the game. So we'll see how that affects things. True. Yeah, this this is obviously what I'm really looking forward to. And I'm excited to actually be able to watch these games. This is the second time all season that Wisconsin um, has like an away game damn. or a bye week. So it's like the first time I'll be able to just sit down on the couch and actually watch these games from start to finish <laughs> for, yeah. for the weekend. Alabama having an away game will be nice. I can actually, I can relax a little bit. Exactly. I mean, I love going to the games, but I like to sit and relax too. Yeah. And I'm going to be taking a trip to Columbus this weekend, um, which I might be one of about 10 Maryland fans there in total. I initially actually had a seat in, I guess, their Block O North. I suppose they have different tiers of student seating. I was in one of their higher tiers. I actually sold that ticket. I'm moving sections to my friend, uh, my friend's section in, in the South Stands, which I hear is going to be a little more raucous. So. Um, no word yet on if I'll make it out alive, especially if Maryland somehow wins, but I will be trying to enjoy myself as much as possible, despite the long odds. Oh, it would be so funny if Maryland won. I'd love to odds. <laughs> that would be great. Well, we'll be rooting for you, man. We'll be thinking of you. I mean, I've, I've traveled distances to this year and experienced bad losses, so. Oh, yeah. I, I, don't want, I don't want you going through that again, especially after last week. I appreciate it. Look, I'll, I, if Maryland can beat one of the ranked teams on our schedule, this is two out of five here above our, you know, gauntlet. Of, I believe we have like the second or third hardest remaining schedule still in all of college football. Good if Lord. we can beat one of those teams and make a bowl, I will be overjoyed compared to what I saw as a student. <laughs> <laughs> Understandably so. All right. Well, uh, NSB, thank you again. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been very fun. fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, moral of the story, man, I'm just looking forward to this week. I'm looking forward to relaxing, soaking it all in, enjoying these good games. And uh, hopefully we get uh, some good enjoyment out of this, wouldn't you say? Hopefully on the next gym podcast we get to talk about all the chaos that happened. Yes. Absolutely. I can't believe CJ Stroud threw three picks. That's too much of a pipe dream. <laughs> no, no. It, it'll happen. It's going to happen now. You have to will it into existence. Yeah. Yes, all right, indeed. folks. indeed. 
Once again, this is Jimbo, Randy, NSB. Thanks for listening and uh, roll tide. Uh, Wisconsin. Uh, whatever, go Terps.